0: I got into cars well before I got into photography. And that's kind of how I got into the photography end of it, is I I went to races. And as avid as a racing fan as I was, it does kind of get boring sometimes just sitting there watching cars go around a track. So I decided, you know, I need to do something different, uh, something to augment this. And uh, I've always been interested in photography, but I never really took it up. So so why didn't I take pictures while I'm there?
1: And Jim Rose has become pretty good at both. Well, that's an understatement. During his 38 year career at Canon, Jim learned to shoot just about everything well. But he never lost his love for cars. Today, we're learning automotive photography with Jim Rose.
0: Hi there canon friends welcome to the eos photographer podcast if you are learning photography using your canon gear you're in the right place here we speak with great photographers and extract practical lessons for you from rebels to 5ds the gear you own is the gear we'll feature now here's your host linford morton
1: Welcome to EO's Photographer, episode 108. This is Lynn, and I am so glad to meet with you again just to talk photography. Before we get started again, I just want to thank those of you who have been sending me such positive words of encouragement. Here are two I received recently. Scott wrote in, this is an awesome podcast. I love it. And Oscar wrote recently, I subscribe to your podcast and I love it. I want to change careers and get into photography to make a living. Well, thanks to you both for reaching out and good luck to you, Oscar, and your coming career change. I hope that we can help you by providing lots of great information to help you along with your journey. All right. Now, don't forget to rate and review on iTunes. And if you haven't done so yet, subscribe to make sure you don't miss any episodes. You can subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I think we're just about on every one of the podcast directories. You can also go to eosphotographer.com forward slash subscribe to subscribe and make sure you get an email letting you know when there's a new episode. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash eosphotographer. Audible has more than 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Last week, I told you i just finished a book, and so now I'm going through my wish list to find my next download. Now, I love this because it's such a convenient way To read for fun or education. I love listening to Audible, so that's the only reason I recommend it. I've been a listener and a a customer of theirs for a long time, so I'm proud to recommend it to you. Give it a try. AudibleTrial.com slash EOS Photographer. If you were into Canon photography in San Francisco, you likely learned from Jim Rose. Jim was a Canon trainer for Canon USA, who ran the San Francisco and Bay Area Canon Live Learning location. He was one of the popular instructors in the program, as he drew from his experiences shooting events for Canon that included Super Bowls, Olympic Games, Democratic and Republican National Conventions, and Formula One auto races in Japan and the United States. In addition to San Francisco classes, he conducted workshops in Yosemite, Yellowstone, Death Valley, and Hawaii's Volcanoes National Parks. I loved working with Jim because he always had so many creative ways of teaching and helping new photographers. After we left Canon, I knew I wanted to bring Jim on the podcast, but he teaches so many things well, it was hard to decide what to ask of him first. In the end, I remembered his passion for automobiles and thought that would be a great place to start. As you'll see, Jim knows the sport well and is a great instructor. So without any further ado, here's my conversation with Jim Rose. All right, I'm here with Jim Rose. Uh, Jim is one of my colleagues from Canon. And Jim, how long were you with Canon? I
0: started in 1981, so about 38 years. It's kind of a, well, it seems like a long time, but it seems like only yesterday when I started.
1: So you got to see Canon through so many different technology you know, incarnations. We went from film to digital to all kinds of you know technology improvements during your tenure. Yeah,
0: well, when I started, uh, Canon was the dominant player and still is the dominant player in uh, amateur photography or advanced amateur photography. But there was very little in the pro end or the high end. Uh, you know, another manufacturer, Nikon, had that pretty well sewed up. Um, and then we came out with a few different technologies, specifically when we came out with EOS, that really changed the, the landscape, uh, as a pro rep back then, it was maybe 5% of the photographers shooting Canon. They were in the professional area newspapers, which is kind of what I dealt with at that time that we were trying to get that market. But then when EOS came out and that first autofocus that really worked well in, uh, situations where you wouldn't think it would like sports, like motor racing, things like that. Then uh, my phone started to ring off the hook, and we, we switched over all these newspapers. Uh, the very first one, I remember, was the San Francisco Chronicle. Some good friends of mine, they were all Nikon shooters, and all of a sudden, they were Canon shooters because we just had, at that time, a superior product. So it 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 grew throughout the years, and where Canon is a dominant player in both the, uh, the consumer market as well as the professional market.
1: I I also know of you that you are just an avid car guy, for lack of a more sophisticated word. <laughs> there's a, there's a few
0: gearheads in Canon, yes, definitely.
1: <laughs> yeah, car guy. I know you are really into into automotive photography, but but cars in general, um, you'd seek out the the high end dealers whenever we traveled, and and you've done you done a you did a number of. Auto workshops in San Francisco. I remember during our tenure um, that that went over pretty well. When did you first get into cars, and when did you first um, I got discover into that cars passion?
0: Well before I got into photography, and that's kind of how I got into the photography. End of it is I I went to races, and as avid as a racing fan as I was, it does kind of get boring sometimes. Just sitting there watching cars go around a track. So I decided, you know, I need to do something different, uh, something to augment this. And uh, I've always been interested in photography, but I never really took it up. So, so why do not I take pictures while I'm there? And uh, it just it, it, it snowballed. It turned into a very avid hobby. I went to work in a camera store to support my hobby, so to speak.
1: <laughs> right.
0: And uh, so I get discounts on equipment. Of ended course. I ended, ended up buying some Canon equipment and uh, worked at a camera store for quite a few years. Started started in 1981 with Canon. And before that, I'd kind of aspired to be a professional auto racing photographer, but found out that that was extremely difficult to do. Not not so much taking the pictures and creating images, but the business side of it was very difficult. And uh, because motor racing is somewhat of a non-mainstream sport, there's not a lot of people that were making a living doing it. Uh, So after working in a camera store for quite a while, Uh, A job came available at Canon in in my area. There had been, I don't know, maybe ten or fifteen what we call professional reps uh, for Canon, but one opened up in my geographical region, uh, which was a new position. And uh, a friend of mine at Canon recommended me for that job, and I was able to get it. Um, And you know, the rest is history, so to speak.
1: Very good, very good. So. You went in and started taking pictures just because you liked um, the car, the automobile races, the car scene. When you started, were there, I'm, I'm guessing you made uh, some mistakes because you weren't, you hadn't been trained yet, didn't know what you're doing. Tell me about when someone just walks on and decides they want to shoot automobiles what's one thing they might do without knowing that that's not the way to approach it?
0: I think the, the, the obvious thing is cars are fast. You know, you're dealing with cars that can travel 150, 200 and 200, 250 miles an hour in some cases. And what you think of, is, I got to stop the action. And that's right. not the case. The cars are fast because they're fast. And when you're there at the track, you can see they're fast. And in a video, you can see they're fast. Mm-hmm. But if you're taking a still photograph, you've got to impart that feeling of speed to the audience in a two dimensional st- stopped motion, uh, you know, because uh, a still photograph doesn't move. So we've got a, s- a still image that's got to impart speed or motion. And typically people think I've got to shoot with a fast shutter speed because the motion is fast. And that, doesn't apply only to motor racing, but kind of sports in general. Right. And so I think that's one of the biggest things that people do is I've got to have that fast shutter speed to stop the action. And when you do that, you lose the motion. And I've seen this a lot from people that take photographs that aren't used to photographing auto racing or things like that. And you've got a car there on the track that looks like it's standing still.
1: Right. It looks like it's parked. And I guess the other... I guess at the other extreme, if it's too slow, then you have so much of a blur that you lose your subject. So, how do you find that sweet spot?
0: Uh, typically, in racing, the sweet spot. And this is a very broad generalization, but if you're shooting with a telephoto lens, maybe two to 400 millimeters, shooting cars coming at you or even panning, you're probably going to be in the 250 to 320 shutter speed range to get some wheel spin on the tires. And that's one of the keys is when mm-hmm. you get that picture of a car, if it's coming at you, you don't notice the speed because it's coming straight at you. But if the tires, the, the, the tire logos on the side of the tires. If they're stopped, then you don't you lose that that feeling of motion. So that moderate shutter speed in the 250 range approximately, that lets that tire s- spin a little bit. So the car is stopped. You've got a nice sharp car, but the things that are spinning faster like the tires, they have motion. It, it applies to uh, taking pictures of propeller airplanes too. When you go to air shows, different type of motorsport. You have to have a shutter speed that's slow enough so the propeller has some spin to it, but fast enough where the airplane is sharp. And so that's just a nice balancing act. And it's in that you know less than five hundredth of a second, but probably higher than one twenty fifth in that that basic shutter speed range.
1: Yeah, that's great. I remember that um, rule with helicopters from my time when I worked with the Coast Guard. We all yeah a lot of the new photographers would always shoot with a fast shutter speed and looked like the the helicopters were just suspended in air. <laughs>
0: yeah, <and> it <laughs> it gets it gets so crazy. I talked to a a professional photographer that that's specialized in air races.
1: Mm-hmm. And they
0: actually work with the the mechanics on the plane to to determine what the RPM of that prop is and to get the hmm. proper shutter speed to give the same consistent spin for every plane. It it, it gets crazy, but that's how Involved it can be to get that just that perfect shot.
1: Amazing. Okay, so you said that you would. You you, you just said in in passing if the car is coming at you, so does it matter what angle or direction you shoot the 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 car from? Because I'm I'm guessing if it's coming at you, you don't get the same sense of motion as you would if it were going in front of you and you panned with it or just had it go across the frame do you think about that kind of placement when you're shooting? Yes, you're always thinking
0: about angles of the cars coming towards you or maybe in some cases away from you. You can you can get shots with cars going away from you, which a lot of people don't think of. But that mm. angle is just totally different where the car coming at you. you know, if you go out to a freeway and you stand on a, don't stand on, on a freeway, but where the cars <laughs> are coming towards you, they don't look like they're moving fast at all. Right. But if you stand there as as they go by you, so it's a lateral motion, they're going really fast. And the same with racing. So whether it's a straight on, a two-thirds, or a straight lateral motion, that all will make a difference in what shutter speed you need to work with to convey what you want in terms of the motion. With a lateral motion, uh, you can go with a little bit faster shutter speed because the car is going, relative to you, faster in the viewfinder. Whereas when it's coming straight at you, it really doesn't look like it's moving much at all because it's coming towards you.
1: Got it. Um, for the, your hero shot, do you have a preference for coming at you, the lateral going by you or going away? Where is where is the real hero shot in that sequence?
0: I've always liked the one where it's, it's coming at you but not straight at you. So you can see the cars mm-hmm. in the background. And you kind of have to do that typically on maybe the first or the second lap of any given race because they, they start to spread out as the race goes on. But those mm-hmm. first few laps is to get whether it's the lead car or the lead of a specific pack. And so you see the car, you know, you're, you're concentrating on one car, but you've got all this other things in the background, all the other cars. Because I, I think that's another thing that, you, that a lot of photographers uh, don't think of, backgrounds. Backgrounds right. are important in any type of photography you do. You know, we think about backgrounds in portrait, you know, soft bokeh and stuff like that. With sports photography, sometimes we don't think about backgrounds, but they're just as important in sports photography as they are in any other type of photography. So whatever that background is and getting the extra cars in it, you know, to me, uh, when the race, as the race goes on and then the cars are spread out, maybe I'm doing single car shots. That's when it gets kind of boring. And that's when I go to some of those really slow shutter speeds to do some more uh, what I would call artsy type photographs with maybe even uh, eighth of a second, quarter of a second, and and on down. But at the beginning of the race, then I'll do those pack shots, and that's the one I like with the leader coming through and 15 Mm -hmm. or 20 cars behind it, and they're slightly out of focus because we don't have a huge depth of field. Mm -hmm. Remember coming at you, that moderate shutter speed, so we get the wheel spin, and that's one of my favorite shots.
1: Okay. Well, okay, so you are you, you talk about the background being important and the background you you favor is one with the other cars in just sort so of the the trailing cars is slightly out of focus are there any other backgrounds you look for when you're shooting
0: uh, sometimes like when, there, sometimes when, there like are, where do you
1: position yourself? What uh, do you uh, Maybe a better question is where do you position yourself to get the background you want?
0: Well, I'm looking for the background maybe before the cars. I know where the cars are going to go. So right. you, look, you look through your viewfinder and find a nice background. Uh, there was one I did at Laguna Seca where they have a bridge. And the bridge formed kind of a frame. The car is coming under the bridge. So that made for mm. a good background. I so see. I, I'm always looking for that area or that place on the track where the background is. Really, before I think about the cars, lighting as well. So whether the lighting is correct or find I the, find the background, then find the time of day where the lighting is going to be correct for that background, mm-hmm. and then find out if there's going to be a race at that time. You know, are there cars <laughs> at that time? Or is that the lunch break?
1: Uh, so it's almost if, like backwards. It, <laughs> yeah, it, but it
0: all goes hand in hand in getting that great picture. Now, sometimes if you're out shooting and you want to get a shot of the feature race of the day, let's say. And it happens at high noon. There's nothing you can do about that. So, right. what if you're looking for a background, so sometimes you you can't control the lighting because you just don't have control over it. Uh, it is what it is. It may be backlit. Maybe that one spot that I like is backlit, and that mm-hmm. can make for a dramatic photo too. But mm-hmm. I, I tend to like the nice front lit, bright, color, uh, vibrant cars. Uh, even though some of the other ones can be even more, even better. But that's that's kind of my favorite. Just that really nice shot of the pack coming at you.
1: Nice. Now you, you talked about the artsy shots. You do one eighth. I mean, really slow shutter speeds. Are you panning when you do this or are you just having the car just go by in a blur and having the back, the people reacting to it? Like what, it, describe these artsy shots a little bit more for me, if you don't mind.
0: Well, done it, uh, one we did for a workshop and I use it as an example is cars coming under a bridge and it's kind of a, it's kind of a uh, signature shot at Laguna Seca. It's coming under the bridge there. I would put the camera not on a tripod, but I would hold the camera steady at maybe a 30th of a second and shoot the picture. So now I've got a picture of the bridge where the car is going through, and they're a little bit blurry. So you can see the car is going through very quickly. Mm-hmm. And then I turned around and did it just the opposite where I did pan with the cars. So now the cars are relatively sharp. But the bridge is boring. So it's mm-hmm. two two different effects, neither of which are correct, uh, but it's, it's doing it two different ways. So that would be one of the ways I do some of the artsy shots. But then when you get down to some of the really, what I consider slow shutter speeds, eighth of a second, quarter of a second, things like that. First of all, typically races are held during sunny days. So you're going to have to stop your lens down to maybe f 16 to be able to get that slow shutter speed. You mm-hmm. might even have to use a neutral density filter to be able to get a slow shutter speed, just like we do in waterfalls. We have to use a neutral density filter to get a long enough shutter speed. And then those really slow pans, uh, to me, they're they're really nice. And they can get rid of bad backgrounds. If you're in a situation where you've got Mm. lousy backgrounds and there's nothing else you can do, slow the shutter speed and pan. The cars remain relatively sharp. And when you go down to an eighth of a second, nothing's going to be super sharp. But right. you may get a nice, sharp point, and and if you the more you practice it, the better you get. And the more you do, you may shoot 50 of these before you get one that you're pleased with. Um, another technique I've done is, uh, again, at Laguna Seca. there's a lot of trees around. I've panned through trees. So there you're going to have to pre- I pre-focus on the pavement because the camera's going to focus on on the trees, which are in the foreground. So as the car goes through, uh, about an eighth of a second or so, and you pan with them and you're you're concentrating and you're waiting and you just click that shutter as the car goes through the trees. So you get this nice green blurry. The car is sharp within itself. You don't see all the car because the trees right in front of it. But you get that. It's kind of a – it's just a different look. And I, I think it's really, really pretty when you find the right place to do it. That's cool. Now, that being said – Again, you may shoot 50 of them and maybe get one you want. So uh, another technique that I've taught in some of the classes is we did this at Laguna Seca in a class that we did. Uh, there was a cannon car. It was a vintage race, and it was a Canon car, or sponsored by Canon at the time, and I wanted to get a shot of the car. And so I shot it at 500th of a second because at 500th, I know I'm going to get a good, sharp image. I've got something to take home. Mm -hmm. And I tell people to do that because with motor racing, you never know what's going to happen. That car never came around again. And so I've got the shot. So one of the techniques that I use and I tell people is if you want the shot, you know, if all you're doing is artsy pictures, that's fine. But if you want to get, you know, you come back with, I never got a shot of a cannon car. So I start at a little bit higher shutter speed than I normally would. Mm -hmm. And then I start to slow the shutter speed down to get, I think, better looking pictures. But I've got the shot in the first one. So in that case, that car never came back around. So I got a shot of it. I would have liked to got more, but I got the good shot. And then I started doing the slower shutter speeds on the other cars. Uh, But getting that one good shot for the document, right? Yeah, you you definitely want the shot or a shot if it's a specific car or thing like that. And then you can work on those uh, slower shutter speeds as the race goes on.
1: That's cool so what other tips or techniques do you have now these are uh, we we talk a lot about r- racing what about cars at a standstill as we would like portraits or beauty shots before or after the race do you ever do any of those
0: i i do that yes i do and uh when i started doing this i never even owned a wide-angle lens i just wanted to shoot car shots on the track so then I ended up buying a wide-angle lens and found out, wow, this is really cool, too. So you want that moderate to wide-angle lens, whether it's a 24-millimeter with a full-frame camera or even lower, maybe even a 20-millimeter. Uh, you want that for the pits uh, when you get in close. You still do driver portraits with a 70-200 to 200 or something like that. Mm-hmm. When, when you go into the pits, uh, that wide-angle lens will come in really handy and allow you to get, get shots you couldn't get before. And there's no real technique about this. But it's the same thing that we do in pretty much every photograph we ever take. Background, composition, and lighting. And when you think about those three things, whether it's applied to an action shot or probably more specifically in the pits, um, shooting, whether it's details, you know, get in tight, shoot the, the grill or the logo uh, and, and, and watch for the background or get rid of any uh, item in that picture that might be distracting or just kind of dead space. So. Uh, focus in on one thing, or if it's one car, you can get it lower. Don't be afraid to change your angle. Get down low. You know, if you, if you shoot with a 20 millimeter lens and get in really close, you know, the 20 millimeter lens, because you're in so close, you get some of that so-called distortion things Mm -hmm. close to you look much bigger than things Mm -hmm. further away. I've shot pictures of, I, I concentrated on the front wheel. It was just an interesting looking wheel to me. So I shot it with a 24 millimeter lens, got in really close the back wheel is in the picture, so it's in. I would call it an environmental shot where I see the whole car, but the main part of the picture is that wheel. And the back wheel looks like it's a little bitty wheel because of that
1: far away. Uh, right,
0: that far away when you get in close. It's not the lens that causes that. It's getting in close. Uh, mm-hmm. The wide angle lens allows you to get in close, but that that perspective distortion is caused by how close you are to your subject.
1: Okay, so we background and composition and lighting, but let's talk about the composition. Like where is what what would you say is the best angle to shoot uh you know a, a car or a parked car? I, I tend to see a lot of low angles with the wheel slightly turned. Is there any special approach that you take when you wanna get the, the, the hero shot of a vehicle?
0: Yeah, I do like that low angle with a moderately wide angle lens, like a twenty-eight or a twenty-four.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, turn it if you've got the car like two thirds, you know, two thirds to you, a two third, two thirds type portrait, then turn that wheel into the into the lens so it's not straight. You know, if it's the if it's the if you're shooting the back of the car and so the back of the car is closer to you, the front's further away. Take that front wheel that turns, turn it to the left so it's pointing in. And if you go mm-hmm. if you want to get real crazy, which is what you have to do if you're doing this for a living or you want to get really uh, good at it. Um, have the owner, if it's not your car, have the owner of the car move it just slightly so the logo. If it's a, if it's a logo in the wheel, you know some logos have, some wheels have logos in them. Get the wheels so the logo is straight up and down. So mm-hmm. you go to that extra effort to make the picture perfect.
1: Got it. Got it. What about lighting with vehicles? Uh, it seems to me like I, I don't know if you ever shoot them in studio or somewhere where you have now. Um, external lights, but it just seems like this is just a reflection nightmare, or it could be. It, Any it, suggestions it is for that. It is,
0: yeah. You, you, it, the ideal thing to do be shoot it on a nice cloudy day. Now, okay. being based in San Francisco, we can do that in the summer because we have fog, um, mm-hmm. but you can get, whether you need reflectors to add light or diffusers to get rid of that, just straight, straight on shot. Uh, I remember the workshop that we did, uh, in Marin County, we shot a black 55 Chevy at high noon.
1: Oh. <laughs>
0: and uh, you can do it. Uh, the instructor, I was not the, the lead instructor that day. It was a, a different person who actually does it for a living. And he had those ref- reflectors and diffusers out just to, to shield that from the sun. And with cars, you know, it's not like a person where you a two-foot reflector or diffuser. You need a big one.
1: Right. Uh,
0: so sometimes there's just not much you can do about it. Uh, but Putting it, putting it in the shade, you know, if you have access to shade, if it's a bright, sunny day. But mm-hmm. We were doing this, well, it was even worse than I thought. Fifty-five, Black 55 Chevy at high noon on a beach.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. You're so, just asking for it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, the, the more you can do just to get around that, whether it's diffusers or shade or things like that. But that's that's where you, you really have to watch the viewfinder. Because specifically in sports, and this applies to the static shots as well, when we look through the viewfinder, we're seeing the subject, and our mind kind of says, "Wow, that's a cool looking car," and we don't even see some of those reflections.
1: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. but
0: they're there when you when you hit that shutter and look on the back. Wow, those were those reflections really there, or they were? You just didn't see them.
1: You just yeah, right.
0: yeah, you have to go beyond the excitement sometimes of taking the picture and really look, you do the same thing with composition. Why is that tree growing out of that person's head? I didn't notice it when I shot the picture. Right. Because I was interested in, in taking the picture of the person.
1: Right. Right. All those
0: things. And, and the more you do it, you know, it's just like, you know, the old adage, the, the, the more you do it, the luckier you get. Uh, but the <laughs> more you do it, the more you just naturally do it. And you don't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. So when you think about rule of thirds and lighting, and shadows, and reflections, and composition, um, you you do have to think about that when you start, but as you do it, and the more you do it, you don't even think about it, you just naturally do it.
1: Right, muscle memory kicks in. So when you're shooting, you're shooting this black vehicle on a beach, I I, I hear dynamic range as a potential issue there. Did you have to do HDR or anything like that, or how did you capture that full range of what I'm guessing is bright sand and a black car. Well,
0: we could do we could do HDR on that because it was a static car. You know, obviously, if you're shooting racing photography, you can't do HDR because the cars are moving. Right. But right. HDR will work very well for that. Uh, the other way, if you don't want to deal with HDR, just make sure you shoot it in RAW, and then you have a little bit more flexibility in post processing to either right. pull shadows out or bring highlights down. So mm-hmm. if if you want to do it, uh, uh, you know, my recommendation if you're doing fairly seriously, it would be just shoot it in RAW and bracket it. And then your HDR after the fact, because some cameras, you know, don't have HDR built in. A lot of them do now. Uh, But you can do a better job of it by shooting raw files and then post-processing in HDR. Mm -hmm. Uh, That being said, I do a lot of in-camera HDR just because it's so easy and the cameras do it so well nowadays. Right. And I'm, you know, I I worked for Canon for so many years. I was never a professional photographer, so I didn't have clients I had to answer to. And, And for the most part, we all... The only client we have to answer to is ourselves. So mm. get a shot that we like. Uh, we're not having to deal with art directors and things like that. So.
1: Right. Right. If it's
0: not perfect. That doesn't mean it's not good.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Very good. Any other tips you can think of for someone who is you know, interested in getting into this? Where should they begin?
0: Uh, you can begin – I mean, I, I mentioned being out on the freeway, but if you want to – panning is something that you really need to do for racing photography. And it's a, mm-hmm. it's a talent. You, you have to be able to do it, uh, and you have to practice it to get good at it. The more you practice it – and you can practice that right out in front of your house or on a freeway – Mm-hmm. The, you know, go down to maybe, because the cars are not going 200, but hopefully they're not going that fast on the freeway. <laughs> but maybe they're going 80 or 90. around my the Audubon or something. Yeah, like, my yeah. house, they're going 80 or 90. So that gives you a good opportunity to practice, you know, and slow the pans down. Maybe you would normally pan at 125th with a lateral car. Go down to 30th and then get your, you know, the slower you go, the harder it's going to be. And the more you do it, the, the better your technique will get. Uh, so the practice there. Uh, On panning specifically, the other thing you want to do is you know roughly where you want to take the picture of the car. The car is going to be at this location. Mm -hmm. So square your body up to that location. Don't be panning and you're taking the picture when your arms are all the way out to the right and the left. So get a rough idea of where you want the actual shot to take place. Square your body up to that. And then as the car comes towards you, then you're going left to right. And when you're squared up, that's when you shoot the picture.
1: Do you just shoot once or are you shooting uh, a burst And as you follow the the car?
0: This may be against common logic, but I normally shoot one because I know exactly where it's going to be. Now, if you have a camera that shoots 10 or 12 or 14 frames a second, then you can shoot a burst. If you have a camera that only shoots two or three frames a second, it's going to be hard to do that burst. You want that decisive moment. So I would typically do just the one shot, maybe two. Um, Okay. The other thing you can do or you need to do is as you do that pan, a lot of people will go, they'll start left, you'll square themselves up initially and start left if the car is going left to right. And as the car gets right in the field, click and they stop. So as you're doing your pan from left to right, you need to follow through just like you would on a golf swing. If you If you go left and fire that shutter right where the car is and you don't follow through, you're going to get an unsharp image. Just like mm-hmm. with a golf swing, if you don't follow through, if you stop and you don't follow through, then the ball goes about 15 feet. Now you think you've hit it, and you have, but you haven't followed through, and you'll just get a, 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 a much softer, less sharp image if you don't follow through. So you're going left, click, go all the way to the right where you think you don't even need to anymore, and the, you've got that nice, clean movement from your body, which will give you a nice, clean image.
1: And, and when, you, when you are shooting, you said two images, let's say. Are you doing that with a low continuous or, uh, or are you just actually depressing the shutter twice?
0: No, I'll do that on continuous. I will definitely go, uh, not low, but on whatever your camera is, go on high continuous. So you're getting as many shots as possible in the given time. Mm-hmm. But my first shot is usually that one shot, that decisive moment. Because if your camera only shoots three frames a second... Right. It may not be fast enough. You might get one before and one after.
1: Mm-hmm, if your camera is mm-hmm.
0: 12 frames a second, if you have a 1DX Mark II, then you can just kind of let it rip, so to speak, do the machine gun style and just right. bang, 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 bang. But most people don't have that. Uh, so right. if you've got a camera, you know, in the four to five frames per second, which is more typical than not, then I will usually get, I want that first shot and I'll shoot a couple after. I'm not shooting before because I want the, that initial shot. And this, this is what takes practice getting that shot whether whether you're shooting cars or whether you're trying to go out and shoot baseball and getting the bat on the ball that's difficult to do oh yeah drive is usually not fast enough to do that it's kind of hit and miss so it's more the skill and the practice of the photographer to be able to get that uh get that absolute decisive moment right it's not it's not quite as critical with a car because if it's if you shoot it uh, at, at one place. And if it's a foot further, it's not that big a deal. But if you try to do bat on ball, that's just that one um, millisecond that that happens and you've just got to mm-hmm. be able to nail that.
1: Right. Um, we, t- we, we sort of talked about the gear in-, in passing as we talked more about technique. If you're interested in this kind of photography, what are your recommendations about um, lenses? Let's start with lenses.
0: Lenses, you know, I mentioned a wide angle. You definitely want that, but most people have that already. Uh, mm-hmm. If you have an eighteen to fifty-five with a crop sensor camera or a twenty-four seventy or a, anything in the twenty-eight to twenty-four millimeter full frame, uh, is is good for pits. The, the wider, yeah, it's nice, but the the twenty-four the twenty-eight will do that just fine. Uh, but with with racing photography, if it's if it's the beauty shots, then that. Kit lens is probably going to do fine, but as we get into the racing and the action, that's where you do need a telephoto. Mm-hmm. And to me, the minimum, the minimum to have is probably a three hundred with a full frame. Okay. And that that you know whether it's a seventy five to three hundred, the the ideal lens is a one hundred to four hundred, uh, without spending a ton of money or having a ton of literally a ton of almost literally a ton of equipment to carry around. So that 100 to 400 has always been the go-to lens for whether it's wildlife or sports or anything like that. Because 400 millimeters is enough. You know, a lot of photographers, the pro photographers, you'll see them carrying 5 and 600s around, which may be necessary. But realistically, Mm. that 100 to 400 is good uh, for uh, what And I consider myself an amateur photographer because I don't do this for a living. But uh, I don't want to carry a 200 to 400. It's the 200 to 400. Canon lens is the ideal lens. It's a lot of money and it's a lot of weight. So Mm -hmm. uh, I I shot a race in Texas, uh, a a Le Mans style race in Texas about three years ago. I had a 1DX and a 200 to 400 because at that time being a rep, I had the the sample equipment. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I took a seven D Mark II and a 100 to 400 because it was just much more practical to carry around.
1: Um, Does maximum aperture matter at all?
0: Uh, maximum aperture does matter. Uh, but the 200 to 400 is an F4. Mm-hmm. The 100 to
1: 400 is an F5, Right. I that's why I was that, asking.
0: Yeah. I find five, six is fine for car shots because it, no, it doesn't blow the background quite as much, but you're dealing with a subject that's, you know, 10 feet long. And so you mm-hmm. want a little bit of depth of field. So even with the 200 to 400, I might shoot that at five, six as well. So that mm-hmm. for this type of thing, uh, would I like to have F4 just so I have the option? Yes. But the 5-6 doesn't bother me. It's fine.
1: Okay. All right. Very good. All right. We covered a lot here. Did we miss anything that would be important if you were interested in this?
0: Uh, I think, the, think think that's about it. But uh, the key to anything with action is, is practice. Uh, the more you practice, the better or luckier you get with the shots. And, and be prepared to... Uh, shoot a lot of film. You know, when I started, we talked about 1981. Every time you click the shutter, it was 75 cents.
1: <laughs> right.
0: With, with digital photography, it allows us to practice a lot. And without, you know, the memory card is a, is a given expense. So you can shoot a lot of pictures and do a lot of experimenting. We also don't have to take notes anymore. You know, we're talking about right. shooting cars straight on and then three quarters then lateral. Those all require different shutter speeds and different speeds of cars there's a lot There's a lot of variables going on here. Being able to go back in the excess data, look, oh, yeah, I shot that. Well, wow, that car at three-quarter angle going about 100 miles an hour at 125th of a second was perfect. File that in the memory bank.
1: Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so, the,
0: the more, again, the more you do it and the more experience you get doing it and being able to go back and look, uh, well, that was 125th of a second. That worked. That was 320th of a second. That was too fast for that shot. So mm-hmm. we don't have to take notes anymore uh nor well 75 cents and we didn't get it back for two weeks we couldn't tell what we did so
1: exactly original original is <laughs>
0: just uh literally about- a game changer Yeah, the yeah. Of photography is now for me this is the, the digital era is just phenomenal
1: yeah excellent well thank you so much jim this is this has really That's been great pleasure. if someone is interested in finding your photos where do we where do they go to look for you you're not on instagram are you
0: yeah, I am on Instagram, and my Instagram handle is JRRCLK. Okay, and you will see a lot of racing photography from some of the stuff we've done with Canon over the past few years. Some some of the stuff I've done on my own. Uh, that 55 Chevy uh, shot is on there at uh, on the on the beach at high noon. Uh, so this, nice. there's all kinds of different stuff, different types of photography on there, and you'll see a lot of pictures of my cats too. So <laughs>
1: cats
0: and racing. And, and my hobby is racing slot cars so you'll see a lot of slot car which is still racing but it's of a different type so you'll see a lot of that on there so my instagram account is pretty varied there's a lot of food pictures on there mm, so,
1: neat. so
0: it's, it's it's a pretty good variety uh, birds in flight we did a, a great workshop with doing falcons and hawks in flight they got some images yes, on there that i really I like i
1: remember that uh huh
0: so the, the action stuff uh, that that's you know i've done a lot of scenery and landscape in the past years, being uh, involved with some of the Explorers of Light and, and doing workshops in Yosemite and places like that. But to me, it comes back to action. I love being able or trying to take pictures of things I can't control, whether that's wildlife or, or racing or sports, baseball, you name it. And I've been very grateful to Canon for those 38 years. You know, I've been able to go to Super Bowls, Formula One races in Japan, national wow. races, Olympics, and so the my career at Canon for thirty eight years was just uh, uh, it, it was amazing, and uh, yeah. I have a lot of great memories from the people and the, the places that I've been able to photograph.
1: Yeah, that's excellent. Well, thank you so much, Jim. I really appreciate your your time and your expertise here. This has been really uh, this has been really helpful.
0: Well, thank you. It's my pleasure.
1: Thanks again to Jim Rose for his time and expertise. I really hope you learned a lot from his interview. Now, Jim was kind enough to share some of the photos he referenced during the interview, so I have them on our show notes for this episode, episode 108. Go to eosphotographer.com and search for episode 108. I'll also have Jim's recommended gear for automotive photography. You'll see the gear and the links, and I hope that is helpful for you if you are thinking about getting into Audible to Photography. And if you are, drop me a line. I'd love to hear from you what you're working on and how it's coming along. Well, that wraps up another episode of EOS Photographer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and follow along each week. Remember, you can do that at eosphotographer.com forward slash subscribe. If you have questions for me, you can drop me a line at lynn at eosphotographer.com just post to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash learn canon. Thanks again. I'll talk again with you next week. Until then, let's go out and create something amazing. Take care.